0: the year 2007 AD, DarkCrazy.com launched the last of its 8-dimensional probes. Theorizing that one could save the world with the teachings of pop culture, Dr. Sean, but Gilberto stepped into the tv accelerator and vanished. He awoke to find himself in a dimension not of sight but of sound existing in an imaginary non-space called the interwebs. His only guide on this journey is Greg, the gruff co-founder of the project, who appears in the form of a voice Sean can only sometimes hear. They are often accompanied by other travelers on the seas of fate, such as Hazel Lynn, Scary Gary, Tracy Luna, and others. I'm Run, an experimental robot built by Sean to be his constant companion. We've been running ever since, leaping from life to life, pointing out things that once went wrong, in movies and TV, in this strange wild adventure inexplicably known as... TV Ate My Dinner. Last time on TV Ate My Dinner, the boys reconstructed Ridley Scott's Prometheus.
1: You're listening to TV 8 My Dinner. My name is Sean and I'm sitting here with Andrew and Greg. I'm
2: all on board with the idea that that's, it's a seeding, but when they confuse the idea, it's like, well, this stuff also makes dangerous creatures too. The premise of the movie is
1: broken when they say that the whole place is a weapons facility. The cave paintings show like a giant man preaching to the primitives like and this showing this is the source of all our towers. power.
2: You could keep the aliens, the xenomorphs in it because you could say they got back to our home planet. Like, we tried to escape and they said, ch- but something went back with them. And that's yeah, the only well, place we that's know. That's the so, other
1: mystery. Like, what happened to the people that created us, but what happened to them? Like, so there's, there's an immediate story and there's a global story, you know? Like, but there's a more localized story as well because there's an immediate danger that we have to figure out, which is something killed them and it may still be here. Yeah. And then that becomes like,
2: I just love that. I like when stories do that when you're just. Like the threat is, that we think this is the threat, and that still remains a threat, but oh my god, there's like something bigger now, and that's even creepier.
1: They're this far in this cave that they
2: thought was this glorious thing of
1: universal... And it seemed like that's what they were getting at, because they created David as this threat for no reason, that wasn't tied yeah. in with the overwhelming threat. So they wanted to have that, that sort of sense of paranoia, and I think it, they do to a point, but it, it happens sort of randomly because like i said at that point where she just wakes up after her boyfriend has been roasted and they're like oh by the way you're pregnant with an alien baby like what (laughs) and then she wakes up and has to put herself in a machine and tell it that it's giving a man an appendectomy so god knows what the hell it's about to do (laughs) it pulls an octopus out of her that attacks her in the capsule like what the hell. It's like total – it's like it, it just a total downward spiral immediately at that point. And then when she wakes up, everyone's chasing her for no reason. Like she has no allies on the ship because Idris Elba, he's gone. Yeah, like because what is, doing the, all this what is stuff their agenda scared, at that point around. too?
2: Why do they care about catching her? What is she going to do to mess it up – All they want to do is just talk to that engineer. That's all they want to do.
1: Yeah, and since they end up taking her with them, like that's the only thing that they would be catching her to prevent.
2: Yeah, and that's the only, I mean, why did they bring her in the first place then? Why didn't they just say,
1: all right, we're on this boat now, let's go, and then just kill her while she was sleeping? Or just never wake her up. Right. Like, why did you bring a whole crew? That's what I'm saying. If your premise is that this company has gone there with an ulterior motive, why did you bring an entire crew of people who had no idea that that was the plan? You could have just as easily, you could have even just brought those two scientists and an entire crew of people who were completely on board with what you're doing. That's actually an interesting
2: thing like if you do that like say cuz they started with Ford and they started about did they is there in there a scene where they're like getting funding from them or something is that a deleted scene
1: that like, must be a deleted scene cuz they say it but I don't I don't a scene where they It's like so it happens. goes
2: from them finding the thing to them waking up like months later is that
1: how it goes or yeah okay or they they basically find the rock and they're like, the answer's out there or whatever. And then we cut to space, which I like. <laughs> I, yeah, I think, that, I think that's neat. that to me is a perfect time. But the problem is the idea the, that they pace it that way within <laughs> the story
2: too. After they wake up, they're like, what? Where are we? <laughs> like They didn't well, tell where, any of that
1: crew before they got That's where the premise doesn't make any sense because <laughs> the, the that whole scene is about explaining the, the premise to us. So right. we're supposed to believe that these guys all signed up to just go to sleep in space for years and go to I a mean, place I, I that get they didn't with the know worker where it was guys or guys, why. But,
2: but all those scientists, it doesn't make any sense. Because that's kind of how they treat like an alien. Like Those guys just wake up like, where are we? This is the job. you got to do this. And they're all complaining about overtime and stuff. And yeah, because that's what they always do,
1: though. They just yeah, go to and, different and places. And that makes
2: sense. But you have scientists. You have other scientists there that would have to agree
1: to this. That just because, literally um, woke up and said, like that's where the pacing outside of the movie overtook the pacing within the story. Cause like you're trying to make us believe that they don't know this. So I'm trying to piece together the backstory of how you hired these guys where they have no idea why they're there. <laughs> Cause they explain why, why they want them It's like, Oh, we think these people are God and they're all like, what? That's horse shit. Then why did you come? What did they tell you you were here to do? We were here to poke things. (laughs) To my understanding. Yeah, because that's what I mean. That's
2: I mean. That's really the big problem of this. It's like it's all motivation. Like Greg was saying, it's like the reason the story doesn't work is because. That's why when we bitch about The Walking Dead too, it's like it's a problem of motivation. Like, what does anybody want here? It's yeah. like, why are the bad guys bad, and why are these good guys, what do, what
1: do they want out mm-hmm. of this? Well, that's, and if in The just, Walking Dead, it always works. Like, Why are you fighting to stay in this place where at least as many of you have died?
2: Yeah, it's like, why, and th- that's what's the, like, in the Wayland thing, it's just that you wanted to go, and then you risked, and you, you didn't even know this was going to work out. But you put yourself in cryosleep <laughs> just to wake up to talk to the thing. I was like, they have well, the
1: week. Yeah, why, why would you wake up just to talk to the creature anyway? Why wouldn't you? Because it would have ended up being safer, ultimately. I David. mean, not completely, because they would <laughs> crash the ship while he's asleep. But, but you know, at least you wouldn't have been killed. You lived a little longer. Why wouldn't you send David to go talk to this thing and find out if he could make any headway? It's like, why'd I have to get up and go talk to the guy? <laughs> And then he rips your head off, and then you know what's going to happen to me if he rips your head off. You're the damn robot.
3: Yeah, so they can be yeah. watching on the screen. Okay, David's going to be talking
1: to him. David's going to... What's the point in having a robot if you're not just <laughs> looking through his him? eyes? It's like, why don't I just talk through the robot? Yeah, really. Yeah, why it am I here?
2: <laughs> I mean, that's the whole point if you're that ahead of a a multi-galactic corporation. That you actually don't do your own work.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I didn't become a tragillionaire. Yeah. By avoiding work. But, yeah, that's where I I would have left the whole plot line where he's actually in the ship out. Because, you know, if you want to have that scene with the medical device, you could still do that where... It's hers. It doesn't have to be programmed only for a man. That doesn't make any sense. You just have a word there there. to fix everybody. I mean, that's what I don't understand why she finds herself so far from the life pod that she can't get back in it. And they just eject it and practically wreck it. And then she has to go out in a separate pod to get to her life. Like, you guys need to have some kind of drills or something. Because the whole purpose of that lifeboat (laughs) was you being in it when it needed to eject. (laughs) For the very reason of what happened to you while you were running to get to it, a spaceship fell on you. When you have to eject from a spaceship, there are a few situations more dangerous than that because you're choosing to eject out of a spaceship. Presumably you would be in outer space when that happens most times.
3: I guess maybe that was the problem doing the atmospheric separation.
1: They just That's pretty the dirty. thing uh, got out of hand pretty fast because it really. This is like my third viewing with the commentary, and somehow I was just watching the action because he's kind of explaining as it goes, but sometimes he just gets off talking about something else. But it helps to sort of just be watching the action while he's talking because then you're like, oh wait a second, <laughs> these things start picking up on them. But they don't ca- they don't cast any more light on it. They're just like, oh, they did do that, but why? And another, oh, another character nice. is
2: Charlize Theron that it's like so, like she's like a pointless character for what actually... I mean, they, there's that theory that she's actually like a robot too, like the
1: other version. Yeah, Ridley Scott like, actually talks about that, that they thought it was interesting She's like the first version of David. That.
2: And I was like, well, that yeah. could be cool with our premise here where you have like the creations because maybe she's like the rejected child, you know, the rejected child of the creator and somehow she also kind of makes the turn where she's helping them for I don't know, you know, I'll
1: accept the sort of parallelism that you're talking about people who are not, who sort of turn on their creations. It's like, he's turning on his flesh and blood daughter, but he's also turning on his like actual creation. in David, there's a lot of layers like that, that would actually work with what the story you're trying to tell. Right. You know, because there are some sort of deep elements where they are all trying to get answers from their creator in some way. And even down to where they created that sort of element of the story where her character, Numi replaced character, actually can't have kids at all. So she's actually yeah, like in a position where she can't create life. So it puts her in a unique position to want to understand the perspective of the things that, you know, why would you do something and then turn your back on your creation? Like, cause she would desperately love to be able to do that. Like you have all these really interesting emotional elements in the story that they clearly put there on purpose, but they don't come to fruition in the way that the story plays out.
2: Yeah, because they just have senseless alien attacks throughout
1: the movie. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like they just sort of drew a card of what needed to happen, but which and doesn't bother me because, like I said, you could take our underlying plot and use all of those crazy scenes you wanted with the same with the same basic structure. You just need a different a different underlying plot to give the motivations of why a lot of those things happen. You want to melt a guy's face? You can melt a guy's face. <laughs> I like the my, scene where she sets the guy on fire. I think that was actually a really good moment. And sort yeah, of I like, like when she does that, but my originally. problem is that
2: guy at that moment, though, because I had a problem like, I mean, I don't know, maybe this is just me in those movies, but I have a problem when it's like a sci-fi movie. It's like whatever the threat is, it has to have certain rules to that threat. And like you start learning the rules, and he's like, "Oh, it like you an alien." It's like, "Oh, it can do that." It's like, "Oh, it has acid spit." It's like, "Okay." Like you start learning these things and learn what the threat is, and they all compound. But this that goo stuff, it like just does different things. It'll make you pre- like it'll make you like crazy like alien semen in one scene, that but also turn you into this weird zombie thing <laughs> in another scene. It just has these weird different effects, and they're they're. They have like they have some couple blogs like just documenting all the effects, the various effects of this black strong group. shit. <laughs> yeah, it just well, changes and it has different properties, and so you don't even know. Make space vipers. Just,
3: Their argument
1: is probably that since this was some kind of lab, there could be all kinds of different things that. Yeah, yeah. like maybe Although, that,
3: that was the space viper room, and there yeah, was the yeah, he space got, he got his face then...
1: melted by a space viper that turns you into a zombie. <laughs> That's just what happens. That guy got, like, a, a drop of black goo in his vodka. And that really, I don't know what that was doing to him. He was transforming into something, but it didn't really show because the alien creature that drinks something that looks like that at the beginning just completely disintegrates. Which would have been cool. <laughs> yeah. For <laughs> him to disintegrate. Well, what makes the scene, because the scene where Charlie's there on, you know, blasts him with... The, with the flamethrower really works by itself, but it doesn't work in the context of they're not, they don't say, Oh, all this other weird stuff happened. That way I got to draw a line here, but which would have been better. But instead it's like, we brought this head on board. We brought a head on board and then we p- started poking it with things to sort of <laughs> trick it into thinking it was alive for what purpose? And then it exploded. Luckily, we had it on a conveyor belt that fed it into like some kind of sealed chamber, cause which means we anticipated that that could happen. <laughs> we were like, this might lead to an exploding head. That's why we brought it into the exploding head lab. <laughs> but no one said anything. Like they hold their masks up when it starts to bleed black blood. Like, it's probably too late, (laughs) aren't you scientists? Why aren't you wearing your mask the whole time? (laughs) And she doesn't do anything about that. He brings one of those canisters in, and they don't even notice. Takes it back to his room. No one notices that. He starts taking it apart, pouring that goo all over the place. No one notices that. But then suddenly the dude comes back sick, and I'm like, that's it. I will burn him alive before I let him in. Like that's, doesn't, that it, scene it does be give you to hope present for a, that as an escalation.
3: That scene does give you hope for a moment, though, that that Charlie is going to end up being like the Ripley character, the character that's that's smarter yeah, no, than everybody. And you
1: actually yeah. think of her because you yeah. can tell that she doesn't want to do it, but she has the conviction. Mm-hmm. But then that doesn't play out. Her character just ends up running away and getting run over by a yeah.
3: yeah I,
2: spaceship. Found, I while I was looking this up, I actually found some. Um, there's some article that says a hundred glaring logical issues with Prometheus <laughs> <laughs> and they just have they I mean they used to talk about the same stuff too like the whole point is like they ask the question I think they want us to come find them I'm like why and they actually never address that issue <laughs> One of my f- favorites, mm-hmm. it goes, Why are Dr. Shaw's dreams fully edited with multiple angles and cross space when, <laughs> when David watches them? <laughs> I always saw that too. It's like they're not in her perspective. I mean, that's a movie thing, I guess, but it's just kind of funny because he is watching them, though.
3: I know. It comes to the point where it just gets to be so preposterous. You just kind of end up running out of things to say. It's just. It, well, yeah, because I don't like- want
1: to poke fun again, but it is hard when you start analyzing what you do to make it work. You kind of have to look at it from that perspective.
3: Well, this is probably one of those movies that's, this really is the ultimate movie for a phantom edit because it seems like just about all the elements you need are there, but the, but the story needs to be tightened up, hemmed up and, uh, it could be made into a better movie just with what it already has.
1: Yeah, and I this is why I, I really strongly want to talk because like, we'd have to come back if we really wanted to do this, but we were talking about possibly doing a how would we do the Prometheus sequel. I don't think we'd have to get into the plot-wise, but we already sort of hinted at that, is you know, what we would have done as a sequel to our Prometheus. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, some of these ideas could, could be harvested in a, a Prometheus sequel because very little of what the people assume to be true in Prometheus is stated by fact in the film. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, so we, I still it's hard
2: talking about this because you don't even know actually.
1: I yeah, mean, they may have canon. a plan. I don't
2: even know what is the considered truth of what happened, I and mean, we could all be thinking different things right now about what actually the point, like what actually happened. Yeah, so there's scenes. still
1: room in a sequel to come back and say, well, you know, these guys are just wildly speculating about this. Nothing. Nothing in the story says that, yeah, and you that could come they back were and called to this w- planet or that these people actually created humanity or that they intended to destroy humanity. These well, are you all could actually, wild assumptions. You could actually, I mean, you could engineer, to, I mean, engineered, <laughs> to our point
2: of view, like you could say that somehow, because they're heading toward that engineer planet, right? And the same situation could have happened, but they could have made the point that that engineer was like some rogue engineer and he's the one that started playing with this stuff that they shouldn't, you know. Or maybe he was already
1: infected with some kind of space crazy. Did anybody think that these guys might have frozen themselves because they were already infected with something? Space crazy. He had space crazy. (laughs) Actually, to be honest with you, they could actually do in a Prometheus 2 what we just said they should do with this movie because when she goes to the planet one and asks them what's up, they could get there and it's a wasteland. Right. And she realizes that something has gone wiping these people out. You know, and then you still have that alien tie-in if you want it, but you don't need it.
2: Yeah, because you could, I mean, the only thing saying that plays as a weapons thing was
1: Idris Alva saying that. Like in he's that the one only, scene, I mean, he didn't even know decided what he's that. About. I mean, all this stuff is terrible, so I guess you could make that assumption. It's like, well, all this stuff is making people zombies. But uh, in the commentary, Ridley Scott is really really likens it a lot more to, to germs. You know, he was right. saying, like, this is like if Ebola gets out, like, a, it just wipes out everything, you know? Right. So it could be that could have been some kind of quarantine facility where they gathered up all this goop or whatever and all the infected people or I mean, it still they doesn't were there. Make sense it was like the CDC would... for this, this, this
2: civilization. It doesn't make sense why they would point us to them, though. You well, know, again, it, you, you could
1: star maps. Again, you could say that. That some holdover of genetic memory that they. Never I like that idea. That's a
2: at. neat idea that I never thought about. That that's a cool idea that we just. It's like this weird collective unconscious that we have that. Like a memory of some home planet or something.
1: That would cool make more sense concept. to me than. Then a that they're calling us in at all, or b that they're calling us in because they want to kill us. Yeah.
2: Well, that's what's like well, these we they they came down and they gave this precise map to these these primitive cave people who couldn't actually draw a very great representation of this engineer but they could draw a precise star map <laughs> of the universe that leads us across you know infinite number of galaxies out there to this one place That is funny
3: Well when you put it that way it, it sounds stupid
1: Well because well, when you <laughs> yeah. think of it from an astronomical perspective it gets even dumber because it's like You know, they drew this constellation that there's no way they would have been able to see, but we can see it. It's like, well, if it's not visible to us from this planet, then I don't understand. Like I'm trying to imagine, it's like, if they were drawing the constellation as they saw it from where they were, that would be in no way a reference for us. Like it would look completely different to us. And if we can't see the constellation from our planet, then what exactly, because first of all, how do they even know? Like, when they're looking back on it? I don't know. I guess it's not so far <laughs> away. It, it must be visible with telescopes, but wouldn't have been visible to the naked eye yeah, of the and, primitives. Yeah, the thing about That's it is, too, that
2: idea that, like, I mean, say, let's take it at face value. Say it's, like, they showed us this map and they left these things or whatever. Those are, like, from those, like, ancient, you know, astronaut ideas or ancient <laughs> alien shows. Like, that's growing the premise that that's all we know and we assumed like they could have been engineers they could have been the people that seeded humanity because you know people advanced so far and they had all this technology and stuff but that's a dumb idea when you actually show them seeding humanity like you know so it's like it's like why would they actually be back and like be talking to these people like the whole idea is that they create these things and tend this garden but it's like I mean it's like you know the absent gardener kind of I mean, it's the whole, like, God metaphor for that. But it's like, why would they actually be coming back to these people and talking to you? Just
1: like, well, you, while you guys were still dumb, we we came and talked to you. you had about, no like, space history. travel. And then when you actually had spaceships, we didn't bother to come back and elaborate. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, all they have are rocks. Well, let's get them to draw a bunch of star maps. Who cares? Whatever. Like, there's just like
2: method, like, dude, they're not even going to remember this. Just, just chill. Like, watch this. I'm going to blow their minds. Watch this. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. There's like a bet rider going whether or not we'll it's ever like, hear from humanity. Like, like we the, yeah. <laughs> That's what it feels like because that really is the ancient alien things. Let's show them to the stack a bunch of rocks. And let's get the hell out of here. <laughs>
3: So that's how the movie, when, when David goes and talks to the aliens, should have been two engineers. And when they wake up, one of them hands, the other one, 10 bucks. <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly. Oh, what, do you, what do you know? Humans.
3: Uh, like, okay, yeah, humans. Well, that's
1: where, I mean, cause when we see him disintegrating himself, like hey, that's not necessarily seeding earth or that could be just seeding any planet. But then you wonder if that's the method, if that's something they do on purpose, like that sacrifice, then that doesn't explain how, like, so are they saying there are others that were around after that happened to sort of, to look after things? And at some point they left.
3: You pretty much don't learn anything new about the engineers a little bit. I mean, but, but for the most part, you're still confused. About and nothing good. Are. Yeah. Like, nothing we good. don't
1: know their story and, and they seem like just a bunch of rampaging assholes. Mm-hmm. So we haven't really learned anything useful that like that 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 justifies a th- a 30 or 40 year mystique. It's like man, 30 years ago I wondered about these guys, and turns out, eh, not much to it. <laughs> There's a bunch of jerks. Yeah, space jerks. Yep. <laughs> Aliens are jerks. We always used to say that. <laughs> Aliens are assholes. <laughs> all, all of our primitive history shows us. And even modern times, every time aliens come down, they just do things to screw with people and leave. But I think, yeah, it, with, with some of these concepts, and maybe that's why I really hope they make a Prometheus 2, because I really think, you know, especially if they have some of these ideas in mind, they can make a Prometheus too that expands on the story. And they don't have to worry too much about what they did in the first Prometheus, because they never really came out and said anything it was all just them guessing the whole time and wildly guessing like oh these these guys drew us star maps we think they made humanity it's Like, wh- why do you think that because yeah that was one, one of the
2: one, points in the logical fallacies i was mm-hmm. like why do you just assume that it's like, why is she considered a scientist for her one reason is, I just believe. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, they just the, spent $3 that, trillion dollars for this
1: expedition because I believe. In how we do it, like, or how it should have ended, they have that where she's like, we're scientists, with like air quotes. <laughs> and we think, because yeah, I kind of get that she might be given to that because she's trying to find some kind of spiritual element to it nothing really explains why he's that interested cuz he's actually more upset than she is that they don't find something but you you get the impression that she's more wanting to look for something like and it's think, her wild I think idea
2: i think that's a cool thematic idea too when you play with that idea it's like you have these scientists or these races that i mean you when you you, you have that idea that she's trying to look for some kind of spiritual father in that sense or something but she's a scientist and she needs it needs to be something solid like that she can believe in but the idea that they get to these things and they both these races have problems with these of them both playing god but we consider them like these godlike figures because they engineered us but to them they're like having the same struggle that's what i think is really they're also looking for some kind of something beyond themselves that like we're so offended
1: that they would make us and not be more impressed with us. But right. At the same right. time, by the end of the movie, she's carrying David's head around in a bag. Right.
2: <laughs> but I mean, it goes down. I mean, that's the whole Absent Gardener thing. It's like the idea that, like, you know, like, why, what is there? What is, I mean, the start of creation and the start of this the from the asteroid the fountainhead of existence (laughs) like what actually (laughs) where does that come from and the fact that you i mean and then it's like why wouldn't they treat us the same way we treat our creations you know we just throw these things away too so it's it's an interesting just there's a lot of there's a lot of thematic juiciness in there that could be really profound and what what it's actually dealing with if they listen to us
1: i still think it's it's exciting like if they make a sequel and explore these ideas in a way that makes a little bit more sense i am still on board i'm still curious to see them go into the philosophy of of that story but this idea that they they created us and now they want to kill us is like it's so egocentric on our part that we just assume that it's all about us completely it's like we were more or less indifferent to you you found our planet and just started making things up all you yeah. see when you look around here is that we have a map and Earth is on it. And you are like, "See, they want to go back to Earth." It's like, no, there was lots of planets yeah, on the map. It was a
3: huge star map.
1: Yeah, I mean, he was
2: looking at like well, the whole universe. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They never get into. That's why I like that idea of that place being some kind of hub because it takes. Yeah. It, we're like, it's a very human-centric plot because like. That we they created us. They left these things for us to go there, and then they're gonna go back to kill us because we're some big problem or mm-hmm. something. Like, like what? What? Where's all these other things? Like, I, it'd be so. I mean, it's infinite possibilities. You could see all these other kind of races and weird alien creatures, and yeah, I, I mean, love, they might not be that weird something. because
1: they're they're like in our form. You know, we're in their image, I guess. So yeah, but they obviously have been creating these other things. They've been manipulating these other things because they already came up with all these weird creatures. So there's all kinds of things. And, you know, not discounting the idea that there are other races not related to these engineers.
2: Yeah, that, that would get the idea that they actually started playing too much with that formula, like genetic, you know, the idea that they're trying to, I don't know.
1: Yeah, they had a creation trying to kill them while our creation, you know, in David is trying to kill us. You know, that's, that's a sort of profound story to play with because it's supposed the same thing you know you meanwhile you've they're all searching
2: much. for this some kind of reason for i mean we're creating these things because we're looking for some kind of meaning in the you know yeah and they're in. seeding
1: the universe doing the same thing hoping something comes back it's like the opposite they're hoping that if they plant something on the other side of the universe by the time it comes back and finds its way back to them it'll actually have some kind of answer
2: right and you i know, like, it's like that the opposite idea that, of looking and for and totally creator. do that they could totally do that with the sequel where it's like Because they didn't really bring them down from kind of divine almost status in this. But I like the idea that we we assume they're just so much, they engineered us. And if they actually created us, I mean, in the sense, in a practical sense, they are godlike figures. So they created our species. But in the sense of created creation, like that, we actually get to them. It's like, so what, how did this all start? And like, we don't know. We just created you, (laughs) you know, like (laughs) we don't have any answers more than you do about any of this. We were hoping at at this point,
1: meeting in between, would be interesting. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, what have you found out? (laughs) Yeah. Tell us about the human experience. Like We were so far removed from, from that that we had to create something and watch its evolution so that by the time it came back to us, we were hoping that the answer would be inherent to them because we're too far removed from the question to be able to analyze it.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, it's a a metaphor of, like, why you, I mean, this is not why you have these things, but, I mean, the same way that, like, having pets and having children bring you more emotionally in touch, with that sense of innocence or that sense of, you know, passion or whatever it is, because you could, it's that same sense, like, they've gone, they've advanced so far beyond even any kind of feeling or any kind of what a human experience
1: is. I think that would be, yeah, we should just write that. Yeah. <laughs> it's so far removed from what Prometheus well, did. Man, well, man, you know what? You could, you could do that. You
2: could, I mean, the way movies work now, you could just write that. because That's what I mean. It's like, I just saw that trailer last week for that Olympus Has Fallen movie, which is about, like, the White House getting taken over and then yeah, a guy that used to be an ex secret service agent. He's an ex secret service agent being the only one that can be infiltrated because he's there, like, visiting, stopping it. <laughs> and then I saw a trailer today for White House Down, a movie with Channing Tatum. Jamie Foxx is the president, and it's about the White House being taken over and the ex-Secret Service agent Channing Tatum <laughs> being the only one that can stop it. It's the that's same awesome. movie. It's the same premise.
1: That is awesome. Oh,
2: man. So I was like, And we that just happens do all like the time, Steve, too. Steve, yeah, it's Steve Deep Impact Armageddon. We should just make our... This is Armageddon. We should make our Deep Impact, the one that's a little more... Heady. Who's the
3: president in the Olympus is Fallen? Morgan Freeman?
1: No, but he's you You think it it at first, but it's uh, Aaron Eckhart. Okay. Is the the president. I don't know who, Morgan Freeman's like the more prominent one. Yeah, and Gerard Butler's
2: the Secret Service guy.
1: While we're talking about that. Have you guys seen any of those true facts about videos? There's like Mm. a bunch of them on animals, like there's true facts about the Tarsier, but the it's really funny like the guy narrates them is really funny and they have a lot of funny they just say funny things about different animals but they did one that was true facts about morgan freeman (laughs) and it, it was pretty funny
4: morgan freeman was born in 1937 he narrated his own birth saying leaving the warm comfort of his mother's womb i morgan freeman enter the world the first time that morgan freeman saw himself crying in the mirror he became old and he remained that way his whole life. From then on, every time that Morgan Freeman cried, it rained in heaven. The only reason that the sun rises each day is because Morgan Freeman narrated that sunrise in his dreams the night before. The only reason that you're alive right now is because Morgan Freeman is narrating your life, as he does for billions and billions of others each day. Morgan Freeman doesn't have sex. When he smiles, a baby simply appears in a field full of kittens. Penguins didn't exist until Morgan Freeman made that movie. He's that good. If you're having a rough day, think about Morgan Freeman, because he's certainly thinking about you. Morgan Freeman. Morgan, Morgan, Morgan Freeman cries. Freeman,
1: cries Morgan Freeman, it
4: rains Morgan in heaven. Morgan Freeman. Morgan Freeman.
1: <laughs> the sun rises every day because Morgan Freeman narrates it. <laughs>
2: it's, it's funny, Morgan Freeman. Yeah, Abby, my wife, she got obsessed with watching the mashup videos of of like Taylor Swift and
1: the goats, <laughs> or like. <laughs> I'll tell you that one goat will crack you up because that one is like. That, that, okay. <laughs> that one's funny, but the one because even there's one that just screams bloody murder. So yeah, you just look at it, it's like a normal goat and it just looks at you all crazy. eyes like like.
2: Yeah, that's the one they use in there. Do a Whitney Houston, like,
1: I'll always love you mashup. And that's the one they use. The, the other one is really funny in that Bon Jovi one because it is like. It sounds like a guy's like. <laughs>
3: I haven't seen these i gotta check these out oh
1: my god they're hilarious <laughs> why are you even on facebook like, that's one of the
2: you need to cut together uh, uh the prometheus trailer with <laughs> the Scream
1: good
2: I, and so my, when it's Woo-wee! like that that Just yeah like that. <laughs> <laughs> that, would be
1: fun. that might happen that <laughs> <laughs> might happen on this episode i
2: was wrong it was so
3: wrong sorry. No!
1: I think we should probably leave it
2: at that. For this I think topic. that was pretty solid. I that I I love these reconstructive criticism because I had that initial idea before and we talked about it, but then once you start actually going through that plot for plot, you actually see. These thematic elements are already there, like surface, and it's like, whoa, that kind of helps
1: so- you re- appreciate what what the yeah. work that went into the movie. Because we start out just complaining. That's why I like this because it, it feels like such a positive approach. Because you start by going, they shouldn't have done that, and they shouldn't have done that, and shouldn't do that. And that but then you're like, no, let's look at the things that we could work with. And right. then you start going, wow, they got a lot of good stuff going on here. And that's the happened?
2: thing, and, and like, and, and I think I mean between the Dark Knight and this, it's like. I think that's just like a taste thing because, I mean, I think they're both of the same quality. Like, that. I just can't – can you guys think of another – I mean, this summer just flabbergasted me because that were these two such well-made movies by really great directors and really great actors in it. And then Scene for Scene has pretty good writing in it, like just, somewhat, it if you just out of context. And they're just like – they just both like just – they're just like – incomprehensible scene to scene like there's no connection and there's no motives are just really the problem with all these like motives are bane and motives of all these Maybe good plans con-
3: conceptualize the movie they they conceptualize the scenes and, and i think well, both I of them yeah i think
1: with, with really scott is definitely that way he's like he he had a, a very strong idea for how they he wanted scenes to play out but i don't think that he had much of an Interest in the little, but I can't think of.
2: I was thinking about this with um, I think Dark Knight flabbergasted me because I like Christopher Nolan, but Ridley Scott, like I I love the way he makes movies look. But I'm trying to think about a and besides like some like Alien and like Blade Runner and like even like Black Hawk Down, these ones that actually have I mean, because I never I was never a big fan of Gladiator. Like, I think it had cool, like, awesome scenes and some awesome lines, but just emotionally, the whole movie just, it's kind of, was dead to me. At that time. I just, I just I like, I'm it trying was pretty to think.
1: I was surprised that that was an Oscar contender, though. I thought I'm it just was trying to, yeah, I didn't movie. win
2: best pick. I mean, I'm just trying to, I'm just, I'm just trying to think of him, like, I just never think he's, I think he's great at setting and, and scenes and aesthetics. I've just never thought of him as a great storyteller. If that makes sense because well, even I mean, Alien is just like a very he,
3: he simple story. He does have story. the ability to 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 direct a plot driven movie. I mean, you know, Gladiator's got a pretty strong story. Uh, he did Thelma and Louise, which was a pretty strong story. Yeah, and, uh, you know, and it's it's weird. Uh, like he, I guess he picks certain projects and like says, "This is going to be my art piece. This is going to be." Well,
1: well, no. If you look at it, there is a consistency because he says that he likes to build worlds, and that is what he's really good at. And you see, and leaving aside a film and Louise, but I mean, for most of the time, you see a movie, even in something like Gladiator, it's like he's creating this whole world that that this story is playing out on. You know, like Legend, you see the, the, this whole fantasy because the story of Legend is, you know, it's okay, but it's a beautiful fantasy film. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm just saying, that like, uses there's some. It there's
2: some directors i mean like i mean you like Tarantino in that way in some of those movies and some of i can't think of other people right now but just like you're they're just compelling scene for scene and you're just watching this thing unfold and actually invested and he he's he gets more and more dazzling with what's happening and it's kind of interesting What's, but i've never been like just super compelled watch i mean gladiator is fun i don't know i just i don't know i don't want to like down on him
1: <laughs> well, it's it's the different strength as a director. I think he does a, have a strength, a, but you you can count on him her. for the story. Yeah, and I think like it's not just visual because he has all these these conceptually he has these justifications for why things are the way they are. As far as the yeah, and he's in a great. I mean,
2: he he acts like a good like a really great like TV director acts like because they come in and they can't change the story. But they had these. I mean, I was watching getting ready for Game of Thrones. Again, talk about Game of Thrones. But they, those directors are great, and they're talking in some of those behind the scenes thing. And like that Tim Van Patten, who directs a couple, of, he read the first few episodes. and he probably directed more, but he he's talking in that same way about why he thinks these characters are doing this and why visually this place is like this and stuff. I mean, he didn't write this, and he has no input in the writing of it. But he is making reasons so he can shoot things certain ways. And so he has, you know, some kind of point of view mm-hmm. in his direction. Well, and and I think really Scott's like that, but I think he just had a little too much power in this. Because I think he really just... Because even Damon Lindelof in those the interviews, he talks about... Like, he refused to do the second one. I mean, he was all up for it. And he's like... he There's no, like, bad feelings or animosity, but... He was just like it, Ridley Scott. It's like he was talking about the process of this, and he's like, "This is much different from how we have written other scripts or write other things." Like, it was them sitting in a room with Ridley Scott for like eight weeks, and him just saying what what he wanted out of each scene, what he wanted out of the movie, and they kind of wrote it. He was just kind of almost dictating a lot of these things. Yeah, and and that
3: they, well, that sounds like it may be the problem. Then it's well, like a George, Lucas, George kind of, Lucas. We thing, always yeah.
1: say that like directors. I mean, directors are to to a large extent the auteur of the piece, but you know, only a few directors actually write their own stuff. You know, it's it's a good separation, but right. And I think I think the strongest, so more powerful. Like, one
2: of his best movies, like I mean, Black Hawk Down, it's awesome. I mean, it's compelling and scene for scene. I was like, because, you know, he didn't go in there and change scenes. Yeah. I was like, this is how this happened. And we have to make <laughs> yeah. sure yeah, like, this, this would is... be better if it was a Apaches. Right. And to me, <laughs> like, that's his <laughs> most that. compelling movie. Like if you just watch the story, I mean, just as far as storytelling. And the, if you think about it, that's the one he couldn't change. The, he could change the least about actual how the story is told. Well, that's what, so, I'm, saying. That,
3: that, that's what I'm saying about him being capable of, of creating yeah. a movie. That's pretty, that's pretty solid and plot driven. Yeah.
2: I just uh, think he get. I don't think he can, if he starts interjecting into the actual writing, or getting those. I mean, and laying the scenes out. I think he can execute on them perfectly.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah, you see that with guy, like that's the issue with Tim Burton. You know, he's a beautiful visual director, and he's made these great movies. But it's the same thing when you get in a room and the writers are just pitching ideas to him, and he's the final say on the story. It's just goony and weird. I think Ridley yeah. Scott is is better at, at at putting a movie together than Tim Burton is that way. But you need you need a strong writer and it's just not a very strong position in the hierarchy of, of that that crew. Yeah. And especially if you're like, why well, I directed Alien. I started this thing, guys.
2: But then if you go watch back I, I before Prometheus I went and rewatched Alien and it's a great movie, but it's a very simple movie. <laughs> it's a horror movie. And it's a very simple and structure i mean it's massively done how they lay it out and how i mean but it's there's not a lot to it mm-hmm. so i mean so it's like yeah you did great at that but you're gonna take on this hugely heavy like philosophical like about the creation of human beings and stuff like that gets a, i think he's just a little out of his depth as far as that kind of storytelling and i think he just kind of took i i mean from what it sounds like he kind of when they asked the questions, like, what about, why did you do this? And he just said, oh, what's Ridley's movie? Like he wanted, like, so I, <laughs> like, I, I, I didn't, had, I didn't have
3: a thing to do with it. I didn't <laughs> and the fact that I haven't the fact even that seen he, it,
2: I mean, this, he could, he Ridley wanted him to write the second one. And he actually, he said, he, he's like, well, I, you know, I just get somebody some else to do it. On. It's like the, it's like, I feel, I mean, he not like they're not, a, I don't I guess they're on bad terms, but I, it reminded me of like the George Lucas, like, hey Spielberg, Spielberg. how about like, these uh, ah, that's your prequels? Baby. It felt like that. He's, he's like, like how yeah, about you get mm, somebody else to get a ah, crack in it with uh, you? It's like that's yeah. what it felt like to me, <laughs> because he knows he's going to take it over, you know, just like they knew Lucas was going to like not want to change anything in the script and like, it's like, why don't you just go ahead and do it? <laughs> so mm-hmm. hopefully that won't be the case, Prometheus 2.
1: Yeah, I would like to see because I, I feel like. I feel like it's just, it's not completely off track. This is salvageable. I mean, there'll be some things from, no matter how you write Prometheus 2, there'll be things from the first Prometheus that just don't make sense. But the overall story could be saved by just expanding on it. There's a lot more they could do with it. And I do like the way, because that Ridley Scott was saying, it's sort of like a fairy tale ending where it's her and the robot head where they just sort of had this yeah. sort of mutual need for each other and it creates this this bond of necessity but it, it has a sort of fantasy element to it because it's so weird you know yeah, that I think that's it's, how the yeah. story ends and i found that interesting i think that would be a fun dynamic to play with in a sequel she's carrying around a sack <laughs> with just head yeah. like, How's they going how to write that in the next movie spaceship Because imagine the aliens like, what the hell is this about? And that's the thing I feel about the second one.
2: It's like, it has the most promise because at the end, like, whoa, that's going to be a cool idea. Like, they could just do anything. And then that's also why, like, I'm kind of scared (laughs) because, like, it could just be anything. Yeah. Because this at least had a frame. I mean, this had a framework of, well, it's like an alien movie. It has these parts and these parts, and that's how you approach it. But I was like, I mean, you could approach that sequel in, like, infinite ways.
1: Well, I like I do like the ideas. I still like the ideas of the movie. Like I like this concept of, you know. God wasn't what I thought he'd turn out to be, so I'm going to go track him down and ask him about it. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I like that, and I like that. I really
2: Mm -hmm. think that the movie became more than, like I feel like this is like a Spielberg movie. It would have came out four years from now and been the movie we're talking about because you know he's like they developed stuff he developed stuff for like 10 years or something if it's not ready and I feel like they sold the movie They're like all right we're gonna do an alien prequel and then like we said the guy wrote the script and had all these awesome elements and that was cool and so they brought Lindelof and it's like hey let's make this and he emphasized the cool elements but they still didn't get the other things out of it And I was like I think if you gave this movie like three or four more years they'd be like hey let's not do the alien prequel let's do the story that we're talking about? I mean, I really think it's just—it was just like started to become better than the actual concept was, in a way, a more I, interesting. I, I do think movie that's than-
1: actually true because the idea of it beginning as an Alien prequel seems dumb because it's as a story, it's a much more interesting idea than Alien. But yeah, they but- sold it with the Alien hook because they thought that would be easier, which is weird. It's like <laughs> Ridley Scott still has to pitch people.
3: Well, he would have to he would have to pitch me because he's had so many of these, you know, weird forays into craziness. You know, you kind of have I, he would if I was a studio executive, he would definitely have to pitch me.
2: Well, I mean, even if he doesn't yeah. pitch them, they're not even if he's not pitching them, he, they just have to agree. Okay, Alien prequel, great, because we know it's going to be big, and that's a big franchise, and you're coming back to it, and we can sell that. Yeah, and so it's like. And I feel like, and then that become, and that's easy to hire screenwriters to do too. I don't think there's a script for this before it got sold. I feel like, you know, they just sold the concept. Like, yeah, hey, it's an alien prequel. We'll figure something out. And then they got some <coughs> people do the script. And then in that script, he's like, well, that's an interesting take on this. These that's a like he that John Spates guy thing. Just he's he started all this engineer stuff. Like he. Like he came up with something better than the idea. He's like, "Wait a second! It's like this is actually really great," and and that's where that stuff came from. And that just, I mean, it's an accident, and it's cool. But then it like, I don't know, it made the the, the final thing be weird because it the, the the original premise is actually holding it back.
1: Yeah. All right then. <laughs> 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 well, that's good. It's, I feel like so, yeah. we did manage to to hit on some points. That so we could we could we could just direct help.
2: this and make a new one ourselves. I think.
1: How old think, are you guys? Forty and how old are you, Greg? Forty one.
2: He really Scott directed Alien or Blade Runner when he was forty one. First movie was like I'm serious. <laughs> oh, hey, well, like he, yeah, I'm, I'm totally. He didn't direct. He, he directed one little thing, but then he didn't direct. What did you do? Alien first before Blade Runner. But he was 41 years old when he first started that. Yeah. If you ever read
3: nuts? the book about how they made Blade Runner, I mean, he was he was off the reservation on that movie too. So.
2: Uh, I so mean, there you go. So we can we can do this. So there's still hope. <laughs> so you're uh, saying there's a chance. <laughs> I know, man. I don't know. <laughs> and that's a, that's another good question too. I mean, he's like he's like 70, right? You yeah. have to be if he so, was I mean,
1: 40 when he made
2: Alien. I mean, this movie gave me a headache in the 30s and 40s. Like, I don't know. <laughs> when I'm 70, I don't know if I'm going to be watching a movie this complicated, like sci-fi. So I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What now? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, so just imagining directing it and trying to, like, harness this thing when you're 68 years old. It's like, I don't... <laughs> I mean, that's something to think about. That's a That's an actual...
1: Well, to be honest, to in that perspective, he's doing pretty well because usually guys yeah. have been in the game as long as he has uh, don't have a yeah, clue. at that's where all you gotta as to give how to him,
2: yeah. I mean, you watch this movie with the sound off, like or just like, <laughs> watch
1: this movie and just in a foreign language, like whoa, this is amazing. Well,
2: it just, it's just to be amazing. Honest, if it's, you're watching it and not looking. paying
1: much attention, just watching it as a movie, movie, it's yeah. it's a fun movie. Like it, it's easily defended because I still think with Dark Knight Rises that that it tries your patience a little bit more.
2: Yeah, as far as even on but it's a, an entertaining yeah.
1: level, you're like, wait, but what? But I, I and
2: I think that the, the the same way Dark Knight this like the same way Prometheus is like, well, the premise is so cool, and then you watch it like that doesn't live up to the premise. Dark Knight just doesn't live up to Dark Knight Rises. Just doesn't live up to Dark Knight because yeah, you know Dark Knight Dark Knight exists, knew, like, and you're like.
1: When I yeah. heard they were going with Bane, I was already like, oh, like, so we were already started managing expectations early on. It's <laughs> yeah. like, Bane? It's like, so you already knew. Because it just gives the point, why do it at that point? <laughs> yeah. Well, but what's weird is because they thought that was a good story. So, like, that's where you're like, oh, wait a second. They think that's the definitive But the, I think that's
2: another thing, too. I don't think it strongly came from, that's a studio wanting to make a third one. Well, well and also know, a studio. Again, probably. you kind of
1: give the guys a pass on the third movie because the third movie usually turns out being dumb. And and, and you got to give them a pass too because Dark Knight like is the
2: like <laughs> like an amazing film. No, yeah. like yeah. way you
3: look at that movie, it was going to be hard to, to follow that one. <laughs> So if who you cares keep
1: making movies you have that I don't one. like I'll just consider Dark Knight to be your retirement. It's like, well, you right. know, he stopped making movies at Dark Knight. It's like, well, he's made all these other... No, no. He he's he's he retired at Dark Knight. I mean, cuz it's so
2: good like they the both other two could just be really pieces of crap and it wouldn't matter cuz like we had this one which is like better than anything before it. <laughs> it's sort of like
1: Like, like how much like do you Johnny need Depp in once Upon a time in Mexico? Where he's like, this yeah. is the perfect roast pork. I'm gonna go into the kitchen and kill the cook. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like that's what it's like. There, it's like this is your best movie, so so we're gonna strangle you right now. Well, that's
2: like, wh- oh, that's like what we were talking about. Like Can't I think they just a couple weeks ago. Stop making
1: movies. No, you'll you'll want to stop, but sooner or later.
2: That's what we were talking about a couple weeks ago. It's like there are. I mean, as far as TV shows and movies. We have already seen so many awesome things that you just wouldn't even imagine you would have seen ten years ago. That like, there's so much good stuff that now, like when stuff comes out, I'm not so disappointed sometimes because I'm like, well,
1: yeah. And we the, already, the I the mean, how it's always looking good. Like this this summer, we're coming into some awesome movies.
2: You know, there's the gonna be a Star lot of fun Trek's stuff to see in soon. the theater. Star Trek, Iron Man, Superman, Iron Man.
1: yeah, Superman, World War Z awesome. might be
2: fun to watch in the theater. <laughs> it maybe looks kind of dumb, but like it might be fun. Which one? Like that World War Z?
1: I've watched oh, that. Yeah.
2: Yeah, but I think it'd be fun to see in a the theater. I think it's just cool because they show those zombies. Like I've never seen zombies like that
1: before. Just it's like the... That one may end up being the swan song of zombie movies because it's like the yeah, ultimate, like, just like an epic zombie completely war. Completely over like, the top. It's like giant, hundred million dollar budget. It's like that may be it. That may that may ring the bell. <laughs> yeah,
2: because I don't. I don't know how much more over the top you can go than that. Because even that book is not like that at all. The book is just like normal.
1: It's so Zombies. funny. Yeah, you could have made the book into a movie with a, a fairly low budget, but someone had this brilliant idea of like, but wouldn't it be fun to make like a blockbuster zombie yeah. movie? You know that's yeah. You, can make, a, you can make a you can make a
2: found footage movie with that book because that's how that book plays out in and interviews. And yeah, like just with, accounts. Like, you could do interviews, and then you could do like actual footage, like found you know camera footage and other stuff
1: from those scenes. That could be really neat.
3: They probably don't want to do but, that because it's been done so much now, though.
1: Yeah. Well, you can't do found footage. They've done they've done that with zombies. Like Romero's done that with zombies, it never works. <laughs> yeah. Because
3: honestly, zombies aren't that scary.
1: They're well, not when anymore.
2: There's like, <laughs> when when, you, when there's like a billion of them running on you, know, like stacking on top of each other. Do You see the poster for it. Like came out today. It's like. It's obviously like once inspired by the like Ali Moss like kind of posters, but it's like it's it's an actual like image of a thing. But it's like the helicopter. But the, there's like so many zombies that they're like forming up into this pyramid, like reaching <laughs> up to this helicopter, like into the air. They're just making this big pillar of zombies into the air.
3: You mean they do a dance like, number.
1: The ridiculousness
2: <laughs> yeah. of that. I was like, is that looks works. awesome. <laughs>
1: like,
2: they're just like a flood of. I think that's gonna be cool
1: <laughs> I think that's where I think I I, I kind of am sympathetic to the fast zombie school because fast zombies are scary when yeah. they're just running at you full barrel like just bellowing bloody murder that's, that's then, pretty scary
2: and then um I just saw the poster too I forgot that that comes out this year in November the Ender's Game movie comes oh out. yeah I'm
3: excited about that one is that like a Harrison Scott Ford car? yeah
2: yeah so that could be interesting. It's got Harrison
3: Ford in it as a I
2: He's think. the main commander guy yeah. like the So, I mean that could be cool or not, but we'll see the trailer comes out soon I think. So it's going to be a good
1: year I think and then Thor comes out in November I think. Yeah, I think like this year fall. might be like compared to last year because last year just it was like bam, bam 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 like you know the Avengers and all these huge movies. I think the big ones is that it's
2: gonna be like it's gonna be Star Trek, Iron Man, Superman. Those are like the three big ones. S- Superman's
1: the one I'm looking forward yeah, to. Superman's yeah, the one I'm most excited for because I'm a Superman guy, but Star Trek.
3: Yeah.
1: I'm a big I know, I'm looking forward to, to Star Trek too. The, <laughs> Iron I know, Iron Man also, but <laughs> Star Trek. Well, Iron now. Man is like Iron Man is like
2: I entered I'm going I'm I'm really excited about it. It'll be fun, but Iron Man like it's almost like the Hobbit was this year. It's like I know it's gonna be great. But I'm not that excited for it because I know it's going to be pretty good. Yeah, I know what you're expecting. <laughs> it's a it's a like, known commodity, and it's going to be great and entertaining. He's going to be like funny, and it's going
1: to be cool gadgets, and it's going to be awesome. Man of Steel is the one that you <laughs> that you have like sort of this anticipation, yeah. like this might be like something special. Yeah, like, it could, when, it could every be the every now and in I... the Movie comes like, like like the Avengers. I was actually blown away because oh, I, and, um, I knew it was going to be good but I didn't but it actually turned out to be something special to me as a movie some wow. of the, the the early reviews of it say it's they thought it was great so you know
2: and Pacific Rim comes out this summer too that's the uh, del Toro big monster robot movie and that's gotten great reviews too Oh so, that
1: sounds awesome
2: So it's like where they in a rift in the ocean you know like these interdimensional rift and these big creatures come out. You haven't seen the trailer for that? No, but that And it's sounds like, awesome. there's, a, there's a rift in these huge, like, Gamora monster, like, Godzilla kind of things. And oh, it's like, right. how do we fight them? We build big tanks, and no, we build big robots to fight them. Perfect. Oh, perfect. And it has, that sounds
3: it, awesome. That does <laughs> sound it,
2: awesome. Idris Alba's in that, so there you go. He's like the commander guy. And then one scene, he's like, doing like his little, it will not be this day speech kind of thing. So, like, this is going to be great. <laughs> Just say Crispin's Day. <laughs> yeah.
3: I'm watching so. the trailer for World War Z now. It's
2: yeah, it's... yeah. It looks awesome. Well, it's, I mean, the, these
3: awesome. kind of zombies, yeah, are pretty scary. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're fast moving and they and apparently they I mean, work they're very. Together I mean, somewhat. the first, yeah. the
2: closest thing is like that to that is like like an I Am Legend kind of thing. They were kind of like that, and that, but they weren't. This they didn't looks work, just, yeah. This looks just like <laughs> stupid fast. Like st- like, there's just so many of them. It doesn't make any sense, but it looks awesome.
1: I tell you, I saw that iRobot again recently on HBO, and I realized it's not a bad movie. (laughs) No. I I remember not really thinking much about that movie when it first came out, but uh, watching it again, it's a decent action movie. Uh, Yeah, I need to watch it again. I don't think... I didn't like I Am Legend, but... but See, I I love I I Am Legend.
2: For some reason, people didn't even like that, but I actually like that movie a lot. Not necessarily like the, the zombie parts. I just love all the... Survival parts. I love that story. Ever that short story, a bunch of times. Well, like, I just I, love that I idea. I like I
3: Am Legend because of, I mean the, the way they portrayed New York and and just the look. Yeah, of the it's movie just was, interesting. Was pretty cool. I, I, did, I
1: Yeah,
2: I agree with that.
1: I didn't enjoy that. I thought they, it was overplay. Where he's like in a Ferrari or whatever, shooting. Well, deer some of, on
2: some on of that. And... St- well, yeah. There's
1: lions there. I was like, why
2: are there lions? Or, I guess the zoo, but. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah they do they always do that because they, they did that in 12 monkeys too where he's wandering around there's always lions in new york well that's what i was wondering we uh, the other day like in tbs some of that evan almighty was on
2: <laughs> we'd turn it to it and you watched that and i hadn't seen that since you know whenever it came out and the whole idea is that he builds that arc or um yeah we know the story yeah, but the whole uh, do a big boat or something? <laughs> <laughs> but, we, but we were watching it, and it looks like I was like, "Well, okay, those people are the dark. The, in the end, the ark was there because that dam was going to break, and these people are going to get on it at that time because they're going to be saved, and and also that dam breaking like clears all the development, so it's you know nature coming back. And I was like, okay, I get the point of why Morgan Freeman, God, wanted him to do this. It was like, what's with the animals, though? I was like, this is very irresponsible and dangerous for all these animals to be there. These elephants and lions, especially when they're in the boat. And then they just let out of the Capitol,
1: Just for the sake of theater?
2: Yeah, all these lions and just horribly dangerous things, like crocodiles. There's no point for them to be there.
1: Thanks, God.
2: Yeah, it's like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and if you've ever seen how much they have to feed animals at the zoo, those animals are there for like a month with him building that arc because like, what are you feeding all these guys? So it's, <laughs> it's, it's just
1: unrealistic. Still a lot of neighborhood dogs go missing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and kids. But anyways. I digress. <laughs> all right. Well, good. I think I feel like we gave that its due. I'm glad that we did that. I would like to look at... Uh, <laughs> we have to be thinking towards our Fast and the Furious. Oh, I need man. to prepare for that. It's like six movies I gotta watch, right? Yeah, yeah,
3: really. I've only seen the first two.
1: It's five you gotta only, watch, but the six I done.
2: might have only seen the first one, so I need to watch... I need to just pick a weekend and
1: but, but, hunker down and... It's, it, the first one is easy enough to get through. The second one is hard. That's the that's the difficulty. It's like having to watch that. It's sort of like watching Nightmare on Elm Street 2. But um, then like by the third, it starts to pick up. And the fourth and the fifth are, are where they actually start making a story out of it. That's what makes it interesting because the sixth apparently is going to tie into that story. So that's what I find interesting is that they've turned this into some sort of, sort of saga.
2: Yeah, you gotta have you listened to that Vin Diesel interview I told you last time. <laughs> I need to get that. I, I need to find that.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just legendary cinema. It's like that's that's rock. cinema
2: history. That's good for that's good for film. That's good for cinema. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's awesome. The, the rock He's talking about Diesel. his fight
2: between him and the
1: rock. That's what he's talking about. That's <laughs> <laughs> I think I would like to change my name to Rock Diesel. Rock diesel. rock diesel rock diesel like r-o-k though and they're like no nah, forget that c razor butane. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> butane that is what i'm talking about all R-O-K. right then. i think that's that's coming cool. <laughs> and i do want to do hellraiser when we get our horror folks back up a hellraiser one should be in, in the make i'll tell you what, what what we do need to do somebody needs to do this with me is is uh that evil dead remake is coming out in april and i want to talk about that so someone's got to be able to watch to talk evil dead with me <laughs> damn it
2: i hey, i've seen all the other ones i haven't you know I guess I could see the new
1: one. I tell you what's funny about the Oz the Great and Powerful is it's basically just a plot point by plot point remake of Army of Darkness. It is the same story. <laughs> That's awesome. Because it's like he's he's sort of this like fast talking guy who gets swept out of his world and he gets washed into this weird fantasy world where he's mistaken for some prophesied savior. And he sort of just swindles his way through it until you know the shit gets real. So it, it's like it's the same story. They even have they even have that line from Evil Dead Two where, where the little China girl is like, "Let's go kill us a witch." <laughs> She's adorable, <laughs> that little China girl, and that's like maybe my favorite CG creation as a character. But it's it's a really good movie and it's a really sweet movie too, and it's just just fun, fun Bruce, cinema.
3: Is there a Bruce Campbell sighting? He's in it.
1: He does have a little cameo. Awesome. <laughs> so it's it's definitely worth going to see and i and i enjoyed it a great deal and it's good use of the 3d beautiful movie all right well we'll get back to that other stuff i don't know what we'll talk about next time but we're good for a while i do want to talk some evil dead but we'll see what happens we're cranking out episodes. We're actually going to make it to 200 episodes, which is funny. And then, in a couple of weeks, we'll do our we'll do our Downton Abbey retrospective. <laughs> Downton Abbey. Yeah, people are like the show is really soft this year. <laughs> Yeah, they did a Down Tonight. They haven't done horror, any horror episodes. Well, Ever since Angie the... started
2: doing more of them, it has more of a womanly touch to it. <laughs> <Exactly. laughs>
1: yeah, I can't help it. Yeah, yeah, I know. Last year good. they did like two episodes on Cabin in the Woods. They did a full retrospective of <laughs> Friday the 13th. This year they talk about Star Wars, Down and Happy. Jesus. <laughs> hey
3: man, I'm addicted, man. It's like crack. You know, How guys- far are you? I'm uh, just finished the second season. I'm, I'm we're starting the third. Wow. Probably tonight.
2: Nice. <laughs> nice.
1: So so right. yeah.
3: You know, everybody's all back together and happy right now.
1: All right. So you can listen to other episodes at tv 8 mydinnercom You can visit us at the forum at forumtv 8 mydinnercom As long as the forum is still up and running. I don't know how much longer the forum is going to last at the at the rate that we have Going, but you can also uh, visit us on Facebook we are there also we're on Twitter we're on the Google Plus people stop believing in the form it'll cease to exist <laughs> it'll cease to
3: exist
1: we'll get sucked but, up by the, the
2: great black <laughs> yeah, yeah the, the Nothing. yeah
1: the rock biter. remember the rock biter Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they do that on Gunnar Jerky. They're always making fun of You're like the rock biter.
0: <laughs>
1: Remember? <laughs> this is funny. <laughs> All right. In the meantime, my name is Sean. I'm Greg. And
2: I'm Andrew. And that was the rest of the story. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs>
4: No creasing Don